0: All right, guys. Good to see you guys. Man, it's a good day, right? Come on, it's a good day. Right on. Welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors on staff. If uh, this is your first time with us, I just want to say a big hello to you. I also need to say a big hello to our North Platte campus. We are one church in multiple locations. You are here for our second service of the day. And so thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, There's probably people that are on vacation, traveling today, worshiping with us online, just kind of checking us out in the community. Um, Man, thank you so much for being online with us as well. And we look forward to the day. Uh, If you're just checking us out, where you come into one of our campuses and we get a chance to meet you? So thank you guys so much. Uh, We're in a current series that we entitled Change. And so uh, what I did was we just implemented a lot of change during the series of change. Uh, And so I've got staff members now that are asking me to preach the series on change about every 12 months so that we can just make the changes during the series of change. Uh, But that's not the reason why we're making the changes. Uh, Some of these changes that are being made right now are just, they're just God led um, in the sense that we didn't plan to make the change because we're preaching the series on change. It would just kind of like it all came together at this perfect moment, and you'll hear more about these types of changes even in next week. So you guys are going to want to be here. Well, what we're doing today? Today is a very special day at our Kearney campus, and it's a special day for our entire church, even in North Platte. We uh, we've brought our two venues together. Our East venue and our West venue have been brought together for the last four years. Uh, we have been separate. We planted a church within a church. We cast the vision uh, a number of years ago. What would it look like to plant, to plant churches around um, Nebraska, Kansas, South Dakota, uh, anywhere else that God might lead us? What, what would it look like if we could be a church that planted other churches? And so we said, well, if we're ever going to become that, then we need to practice it on ourselves. That's why we took our gym. We turned it into the East Venue and we planted a church. And some of you, that's the only place you've been attending for the past four years. But there was a group of people who, they took the journey and they went down there. They were church planting pioneers. I think that you could write books about church planting pioneers. In fact, there already are a number of them. And you don't have to go 100 years back to see people that are sacrificing it all so that more people can be won into the kingdom and become disciples of Christ, true followers of Jesus. Some of them are right here in our midst. There are people that decided, I'll go down there, Jeff, and I'll just attend down there from day one all the way until last Sunday. They attended down there just to create critical mass and to make sure that when people came in the doors, they had someone to greet them and sit next to them. There are others that became leaders down there. Our tech ministries helped us make a dream become possible. And there are directors in our leadership pipeline and uh, team leaders and assistant team leaders. And, you know, there are people that went down to help kick it off. And then after a year or two years of attending down there, they came back to the West Venue. Like, hey, look, I I served, I did what I said I would do, and I'm coming back to the West Venue. We we just had such sacrifice and so much buy-in. And one of the things I need you to know about the East Venue is that when we launched it, our dream was that we would become a church that planted other churches, And about a year into it, God gave us the opportunity to plant North Platte. And North Platte has just been, it's been growing and God's been doing amazing things, but watch this. It was the heart of a church body called New Life in Kearney that all met here in our West Auditorium. And you said, you know what? We don't want to just keep the good news to ourselves. Let's go plant churches that can reach more people for Jesus Christ. And so you gave us the ability to walk down the hall and practice it on ourselves. And because of that, a chain reaction of events took place to where Norplatt was planted. And we're not just talking about numbers, we're talking about souls. You need to know that the chain reaction of that sacrifice has brought spiritual transformation to people that are in Norplatt. And to help you understand that better, I want you to take a few moments just to watch this short video. A lot of life change. a lot, a lot of life change. And so what I want to do really quick, all right? you guys ever watch the show The Price is Right? And none of you guys stay home from work and watch that? <laughs> just me? No, I'm just joking. All right, so you know like your name gets called and they run to the stage? I'm calling right now, not by name, but by position, and you can self-identify. If you've been a part of helping us launch the East Venue, been attending down there, been a significant leader for us down there, you are a modern day church planting pioneer in our family, and we wanna honor you. And what I want you to do, like the price is right, I want you just to get up, and I want you to run up onto the stage, I want you to get up here with me really quick, because I wanna take this a second to honor you. Okay, ready, get set, go, come on. Come on, get up here really quick. Come on, whoever you are, whoever you are, wherever you are, right? Just get up here, man, just get up here. Come on up, come on up, come on up. Awesome, yeah, give it up for them guys, come on, come on. Scoot on over, scoot on over, scoot on over, fill in that hole over there, there you go, yeah. Awesome, love it. Get in the shot, guys. Come on. Inside of that tape. Get over here. Up in here. Up in here. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. There you go. Hey, step in here, Jeff. Just step right inside. There you go. All right. This is the team. This is part of the team. This is an example of those in our church who are willing to go, you know what? If God's doing a new thing, I'm going with them, right? right. And it's going to look different, it's going to feel different, but I'm willing to give of myself and to go places that maybe others you know, aren't going to go right now, but I'll do it because I want to help reach more people and I want to make more disciples. That's what you guys have done. I believe that the examples that you just saw on that video are just a snapshot of the type of lives that have been changed and one day, when you get a chance to stand before God in heaven, he gets the privilege of saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And you, you'll look behind you, and you'll see stories just like that. And I think you'll be blown away. Because you went where few would go, and God blessed it. And so I just want to thank you guys so much. Thank you for your sacrifice and for your service. Awesome. Awesome. So the awkwardness can end. You can, you can dismiss. Feel free to go through that side door over there, Jim, if you want to. Awesome. Oh, oh, I did want a selfie. Okay, so does someone get a picture of that? I forgot the selfie for the second service in a row. Come back at one. We're going to have a third service. Just going to be that opening song because I thought that opening song at the camp Campus rocked, by the way. That was a blast. That was so much fun, right? I don't even know the words if I, if I started to sing it my wife would be so embarrassed because I take worship song words and they just get botched in my head for some reason. I don't know what the deal is with that. Man, what, what an incredible thing, right? So when you make a change in your life, there's a chain reaction that starts taking place. Fathers, it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Dads, when you make a change in your life, there's a chain reaction that starts to affect your marriage and it starts to affect your children, right? Just like we made this change. Um, here at our church, and we launched the East, and now it's affected North Platte. And, but in our lives, and in this series called Change, one of the things that we get, to talk, we get to talk about today is that there are many obstacles of change, though. There's a lot of things standing between you and the change God wants to bring in your life. There's tons of things keeping you from trying to become God's best version of yourself. But obstacles, they don't just like subtly come out of the dark obstacles kind of like jump out onto, the, out onto your course and they smack you right flat in the face. I mean, in this part of the world, we know what it's like to drive down the interstate or drive down a highway and unfortunately, all of a sudden a, a deer just like, boom, it pounces out in front of you, doesn't it? And you didn't even see it coming and then the next thing you know, man, you, you clobbered it, right, and we've all seen, as disgusting as it sounds, we've all seen you know, the aftermath of that scenario happening all too often you know, where we live, up and down Interstate 80, especially between Kearney and North Platte, it seems. And that's kind of like obstacles. They just jump out in the middle of your course. You didn't know they were coming. You, you didn't plan for it. And then, boom, it's there. And then what do you do with them? So today I want to talk about some of those obstacles. And one of the obvious ones that I just think maybe this needs to be spoken of right now because it's so fitting with what we just celebrated with the, with the East Venue is that when change comes, we think about how it impacts us versus how it benefits others. Like that's one of the first things that we do when an organization like a church and especially new life where we are, we have a culture of change. We just keep twisting and, you know, adapting and correcting, uh, making, you know, minor changes and ma- major changes from time to time so that we can accomplish God's vision for our church. So we just have a culture of change here at our church. Um, many times you can kind of start to think about change and instantly, you know, gravitate to a, a question that I think is, it's built into the DNA of humanity. And that is, what am I going to lose in this change? In fact, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder to myself that it's really not that we're opposed to change. Because many times when we make change, we like it. But we're, we're profoundly worried about what we're going to lose. And, and that's just built into us, guys. So I'm not, t- I'm not saying that somehow do something magical and rip that out of you. I, I just believe that that's probably part of, you know, the way that the human mind works and the human heart works. It's, it's most often, ah, man, what am I going to lose and how is this going to impact me? And watch this. When, when you stop there, then you never get to, well, what will I gain from this change? And let's say that you could do that. Let's say you could go beyond this, what am I going to lose to what am I going to gain? That's still very selfish. What I'm gonna challenge you to do is this, take it a whole step farther and start thinking not just about what you will lose or what you will gain, but how will it benefit others? See, when I started casting the vision to you about let's be a church that plants churches so that more people can be won into the kingdom I was thinking about the benefit. If we make this change internally, it will benefit others in profound ways. You just watched a video that's like the tip of an iceberg of the lives of people that have been transformed and changed at North Platte. That benefited them. When we made the decision to plant the East, it was a chain reaction of events that now benefited them. So watch this. In the kingdom of God, when changes are made so that more people can be won into the kingdom and more disciples can be made... We as the church, those of you that are listening to my voice today that have committed your life to Jesus Christ, we don't get the privilege of stopping with what am I going to lose or what am I going to gain? We don't get the privilege. If you call yourself a Christian and you call yourself devoted to Christ and Jesus is your King of King, you don't get the privilege of stopping with what am I going to lose? We're forced to move to the heart of God which is what will they gain? God sent his son into this world. He sent his son into this world while we were still sinners to die on the cross so that by faith we might have a relationship with him. He did all of that thinking about the benefit of what we might gain, not what he would lose. Now that's a big thing. So your mind's going to go to what am I going to lose? Then it's going to go to what am I going to gain? And I'm challenging you to start taking it to the last stage what will they benefit? What will they benefit? But the biggest obstacle, I mean, by far the biggest obstacle that you're going to face, the standing between you and the change God wants to bring to you personally now is that you got to acknowledge that change must happen. And then you have to begin the process. I, I know it sounds so simple, but it's so profound to acknowledge that change must happen requires humility. I got to humble myself and I have to look at myself objectively and I have to be able to honestly say there's things in my life that need to change. So here's the, here's what uh, maybe I could put it this way. Here's the good news. All right. No one in this room in North Platte or listening online is perfect. As far as I know, Jesus was the only one who was perfect. So since none of us are perfect, here's the good news. All of us have something that needs to change. So there's something in all of our lives that we need to acknowledge and that we need to step out and start the process of change. But that's the biggest obstacle, to commit to change before you're forced to change. There's a couple of stories in the Bible of of two men, as an example, that they were forced to change. I don't think that's where God wants us to be. But one of them was Saul. Saul was a persecutor of of Christians. Um, He killed Christians. And um, the early church was actually fearful of him. And in Acts, Paul, Paul or Saul at the time, he be, later becomes Paul, who writes a lot of the New Testament. But Saul, he's riding to Damascus on his horse to go persecute the church and to kill Christians and to throw them into jail um, because he's anti that altogether. And God meets him on that road and blinds him with a bright light, knocks him off of his horse, and he's blinded for a few days. And when he comes out of that stupor of being blinded, it's then that he decides to change. Right now, here's something I know about the character and the nature of God right? God's not wanting to get you to a point where he has to shake you so hard that he blinds you that something tragic has to happen for you to start changing. The character and the nature of God is that he's loving. He's full of grace and mercy. He's prodding on your heart all along the way. And then you choose not to listen to him. Guess what his love will do? His love will bring you to a tragedy so that you can hear his voice. But God's not interested in the tragedy. God's interested in you hearing his voice. So he brings us to this difficult moment. He brings it. He lets you kind of walk into it. Right? He, he, He lets you just kind of like collide with it like you collided with the light and he fell off of his horse. But God, God, I guarantee you was prodding on the heart of Saul trying to get his attention along the way. So, what's it gonna take? Is it gonna take you getting knocked off your metaphorical horse, you getting blinded in life metaphorically before you decide, hey, I'm gonna take the moment and I'm gonna start making change? There was another guy, his name's Jonah. <laughs> Maybe you're more familiar with that story, right? God says, Jonah, go to Nineveh and I want you to preach to these people and bring to them the good news. And he doesn't wanna do it, so he hops on a boat in the Mediterranean Sea and starts heading for the, the farthest port. And then a big storm comes up, and they determine that the, the storm is coming because of Jonah's sin, and so they throw him overboard. Storm stops, but yet a big fish swallows him. In the belly of the fish, he decides basically to change reluctantly. You hear that later in the story. But he goes and he does it. So what is it going to take? Is it going to take you getting swallowed, you know, by, a, by the metaphorical fish? Is that what it's going to take? It's going to take this deep, dark moment before we change? Like, I don't think that that's God's plan. God wants us to make change before we have to, not because we have to. Listen to what Proverbs 27 has to say about it. It says that a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Like, there's two different people that are being talked about here. Which one are you? And which one do you think God wants you to be? God's not interested in us being the simpleton that just goes blindly, even though we know change needs to happen, but we just go blindly through it and just keep, you know, reaping the consequences over and over and over again. You know, that would be like really what a fool does. A fool goes, wow, that hurt. Let's go do it again. Wow, that brought a lot of pain. Let's go make it happen again, right? God wants us to be like the prudent person. The prudent person is a person that looks into the future. It's a person that sees, there's things in my life right now that if I I don't make this change... He foresees the danger of it, and he starts doing precautions. He starts changing so that the consequences don't have to come. He starts looking and saying, this is harmful to me, and it's harmful to others, so I'm going to change. So basically, there's, there's two choices that you get to make today. You, you either accept the consequences of not changing, which are going to be severe. As an example, there's someone listening to my voice right now. This is not prophetic. This is just statistical. There's somebody listening to my voice right now that if you don't make a significant change in your personal life, 24 months from now, you will not be married. Somebody listening to my voice right now that if you don't, you don't become the prudent person and start making the change, 12 months from now, you won't have your job. Someone listening to my voice right now, if you don't, become the person that foresees the danger and starts making the changes now instead of waiting for the consequences, you're gonna be so far in debt that it's going to be damaging to you and to others around you. There's somebody listening to my voice right now that if you don't make the significant changes you need to make somewhere between two years and five years from now, you'll have a heart attack. Which one would you rather be? Would Would you rather be the person that just keeps dealing with the consequences Or would you rather be the person that decides I'm going to start facing obstacles head on and with God's help, I'm going to start plowing through those. And that's the good news today. The good news today is that this message is trying to prepare you for change. And as you're making change, it's exciting. It's exciting to make change in our life, right? And we've visualized where we're going to be and we can see our marriage is going to be healthier. Our finances are going to be better. You know, our personal life's going to be more like Christ. We can see that, but we're, we're, we're rarely prepared for the obstacles that we run into. So they, they take us down. Even the Apostle Paul experienced the obstacles that come with change. He, he said it this way in Romans 7. He goes, now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Now listen to this next verse. Okay? So I find this law at work within me. When I want to do good, when I want to change, evil is right there with me. Obstacles are right there with me. Is that how you feel sometimes? I want to change, but there's evil. There's obstacles right there with me trying to keep me from that change. Anytime you're gonna make a significant spiritual change, if you don't run into obstacles, you're probably not making the change God wants you to make. Anytime you're making the change God wants you to make, I guarantee you, you're gonna run into obstacles and big ones, why? Because you have an enemy, his name is Satan, he hates you. I'm not trying to bring a downer, I'm just trying to be factual here. Anybody that's listening to my voice right now, he hates you. I don't care where you are in your spiritual journey, This could be day number one of you trying to hear God's voice and try to move towards God. He hates that. You you could be a Christian for the last 30 years. He hates that. You could be a dad who decided I'm going to bring my family to church today. We're making changes. He hates it. I'm just telling you right now, you have an enemy who's evil and he hates The fact that you're trying to make changes that would align your life more with God. He wants to kill your desire for change. He wants to destroy your dream of change and he wants to steal your joy of change. That's what he wants to do. He wants to beat you down so often and cause you to run into consequence after consequence after consequence because guys, consequences bring pain. Obstacles are an opportunity to overcome. Consequences bring pain obstacles can make you stronger consequences. This seem to tear you down. God wants us to face the obstacles and to trust him and to overcome them. So how in the world do we make that happen? Here's a few thoughts today. Rest of the message, all application. You have to fight the comforts of old habits, the comforts of our old habits. See, a lot of us have these old habits that are comfortable. They they bring security to us. They, they're like self-medicating. To us, for some of us, we get overstressed and so then we go eat. Others of us, you know, we, we get kind of like anxious and so we go shopping. Um, others, others are just gamers and they they go home and they just they put the headset on and they just zone out. And it could even be dads in the room and you leave your wife like out of the loop and your kids are out of the loop and man, you're just like zoned into this game. Others, you know, they. They open up a computer or, you know, open up a smartphone or something like that, and they just, they just watch pornography or whatever it might be for you, but we self-medicate on the things that make us comfortable, these old habits, and those old habits are going to lead us to consequences that are going to be destructive for our lives. So we have to fight the comforts of the old habits. That means that we have to embrace God's plan. But here's a fact. God's plan's going to be tough. God's plan's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. Okay, But God's plan is better. And to, to adopt God's plan and to see the better in your life, then I would suggest following a verse like Romans 6, 11, says, so you also should consider yourself. Say the word consider. consider. Consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. This is a mind shift that needs to take place inside of us. For many of us, you know, the comfort of the old habits we hang on to, and we kind of rationalize or justify them in our life. We say, well, you know, nobody knows about it. It doesn't hurt anybody, right? Wrong. It hurts you. It hurts you. Well, yeah, but it's not as bad as, uh, you know, what these other people are going through. True, it might not be as bad, but it's detrimental for you. And so we kind of rationalize. We go, well, it's just it's small. Yeah, but it's, it's corrupting the whole. Right? So we always kind of like rationalize our sin away. This verse is saying, change the way you think. Fights the comforts of the old habits by the way you think. How should we think? Consider yourself dead to sin. Yeah, but sin keeps rising up. I know. But that sin, that sin is not, not going to become your identity. Consider yourself dead to it. Keep dying to it over and over. Every time it raises its head, change the way that you think and you live. Every time sin tries to overtake you, use it as a weapon against the enemy and let it be something that causes you to run to God. And when that happens, then be willing to admit that the current way is broken. As you start to see what I'm doing is wrong, then just admit what I'm doing is wrong, right? It's broken, it it doesn't work anymore. I was headed this direction. Now I'm going to turn 180 and head back that direction. It's going to be abrupt, sudden, and immediate. Most of the change that needs to take place in your life needs to happen right now. You don't need to go home and Google it. You don't need to go home and write another book or read another book about it. You don't, he- you don't need to hear another sermon about it. You don't need to have another conversation with another person about it. Most of the change that needs to happen in your life and in my life, we need to start it right now. It needs to be sudden. The Bible says this many, many times. Hey, flee sin. Flee it. It means turn 180 degrees, run away from it. Like get out of there. You see the change that needs to make, turn 180 and start running the other direction. But you gotta be honest with yourself, right? Because if we don't make these kind of changes, then we're just gonna maintain the same current habits. And that means 12 months from now, you're gonna look just the same. 24 months from now, you're gonna look just the same. Our life is kind of like like an object in space that when it starts its journey, it gets shot out, it gets started. And, and nothing's going to affect that journey. It's just going to stay on that course until, until something happens, right? So if you start the journey in space because there's, there's a vacuum of, of air, right, and there's no friction, it just keeps moving until a rocket, you blow a rocket on it and then you'll blow the course. But here's another way you can change the direction. If, you're floating, if you were to be floating through space and you hit an obstacle that was in space and you grab a hold of it, then you could crawl your way around the side of it and push off for another direction. I would suggest to you that you, you start considering obstacles that stand between you and what God has for you are there to maybe alter your course to get it back on where God's going. That when you run into it, it's an opportunity to say, Okay, well, I'm not going to stop here. I'm not going to dead end here. I'm not going to be overcome by this. I'm going to push off of this and keep heading the direction God wants me to move. That's, that's what we need to be. We need to be those kind of people. And there's are some areas of our lives that we need to kind of like push off and head a different direction. One of those would be your friends around you. You have to change your friends. It's kind of like my dad used to tell me that birds of a feather, they flock together. All right, And the people that we're around, we influence one another. And our friends, they influence us. It's not just something about teenagers and peer pressure, it's about all of our lives. And we have people around us that are influencing us. They influence the way we act, and they influence the way we act a lot because we, we care about their opinion of us. And when you got close friends around you and you care about their, their opinion of you, it will alter the way that you act. So the Bible has some real wisdom for us. It says this in Proverbs. It says, walk with the wise and become what? Okay, so that's pretty cool. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and what? Now, is Isn't that interesting? Walk with the wise. Wisdom in the Bible is a great way to refer to God. God is wisdom. So let's, let's take that verse and let's change some verbiage on it just for a second. Walk with the godly and you become godly. Walk with the fool and you become Isn't it interesting the Bible didn't say that though? The Bible didn't say walk with the fool, become foolish. It said walk with the wise, become wise, but then it said when we walk with the foolish, you what? You get in trouble. It's not to say you just become a fool. It's that you actually bring harm and trouble upon yourself. And let me tell you what one of those things is, the consequences of not changing. That's one of the big things that you're going to face. So let me just give you some suggestions today. Here's what I recommend that you do when it comes to your friends. Find some time this next week, in the next seven days, and share with your friend the change that you need to make in your life that you sense God's put it in your heart. Go to them and tell them, hey, I really sense that God's asking me to make this change in my life. And then listen for the response. Because real friends should support your change and figure out how to help you in that change. Right? If, you, if that's the response you get, keep them. But if they mock you, discourage you, belittle it, or they don't give any kind of like weight to it, like, oh, okay, that's great, good, good for you. Leave them. That sounds harsh, Jeff. Yeah, okay, well, there's, two, there's more than one way to leave a, leave a person, right? You don't have to be harsh when you leave. You can just distance yourself. You need to distance yourself from people that aren't going to help you become the person God wants you to be. And on that challenge, let me just say this to everybody in the room we can all become better friends. You know how you can become a better friend? The people that are closest to you, just ask them one simple question. Hey, what's God saying to you? And as they share with you what God's saying to you, as they share with you what God's saying to them, I should say, find a way to support that. Pray for them, don't discourage them, build them up, find ways to help them. We can all become better friends. Make sure you got the right team around you. You got the right team around you, you're more likely to win, right? To acknowledge that, hey, this is what needs to change in my life and actually do it and follow through with it. But also, guys, you have to ignore the urge to give up. That urge is going to be there. There's going to be a strong urge to just like cave and to give in. And we should all be striving for perfection in our lives when it comes to living our lives according to God's word. But I just want you to know, let's all be on the same page. Let's strive for perfection in our lives knowing that it's impossible. And that's just the truth. But I think all too often we go, well, it's impossible to be perfect, so I won't start. But if you don't start, then you never get closer to Christ. So it's, a, it's a, like a mental game and a spiritual game we need to challenge ourselves with. Let's become perfect in Christ's eyes, knowing that our sin is going to keep tripping us up. And so when our sin trips us up and we fall flat on our face, what do we do about it? Because, guys, listen, that's the real question to change. What do you do when you fall flat on your face and you fail when you committed to this large, significant change? What do you do? You get up fast, and you, you confess fast. Be a person that confesses to God quick right? In your marriage, something goes wrong, confess quick. With your kids, something doesn't go right, confess quick. Confess quick to God too. What would you rather do? Just carry around the weight or give it back? I want to give it back. Be, a, be, a, be someone that when you recognize sin in, our, in your life, confess quick. But be careful. Be careful because if you don't confess quick, it's all too easy to just excuse away sin and just to kind of like, well, no one's perfect. And that whole statement, no one's perfect, is like an antidote for no change in your life. Maybe we should just kind of challenge one another to eradicate that, well, no one's perfect. Yeah, but we know one who is. And greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Amen? And if God's for you, who in the world could be against you? So to help overcome that urge to give up it really, you also have to kind of like think of it this way, like what you feed you will become. What you feed you will become. And there's a picture, I think, that I just want to show you what, what God really wants for your life. Soul, sinful nature, spirit, new nature, given to you by Christ. What God wants to see happen is the new nature to grow so that the sin nature decreases. But when you feed the sin nature, here's what happens. The spirit decreases. But when you feed the spirit... The soul decreases. So this whole battle of change comes down to which one are you going to feed? You're going to feed the sin nature or you're going to feed the spirit nature? The new renewed nature that came into your life through Christ when you you surrendered your life to him. When you surrender to that and you start feeding that, that's what you'll become. So what does it mean to really feed the spirit? It's so simple. Spend more time in God's word. Spend some time in prayer. Don't forsake the fellowship with other believers and worship God with a passion. It's really that simple. It's not rocket science. Be in the word, be in prayer, be in fellowship with other believers, and worship God with a passion. You'll feed, you'll feed the spirit. And change will naturally follow that. So for change to happen, there's a part you have to play, right? Everybody agree? But for change to happen, you got to remember, who's the one who gives you the strength to change? God's the one who does that. Listen to how the psalmist put these words as I wrap it up today. It says, unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. I would be dead unless the Lord helped me. Amen? I cried out, I'm slipping! I wanted to change! I wanted to make a significant change in my life, but I'm slipping from that change. But your unfailing love, O oh Lord, supported me. That's awesome. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. When I started to think, I'll never change. I'll never I'll, you know, I'll never. outgrow I'll this. I can never become another person. I ran to you, God, and you filled my heart with renewed hope and with cheer. I want you to know God is for you. God wants you to win when it comes to change, people. He wants to. So win. When change isn't coming easy and you feel like you're slipping from the change that you want to see, cry out to Jesus. And when your mind is getting warped with the lies like I'll never change, this will never go away, cry out to Jesus because God wants you to win. So to do that, you got to make prayer the centerpiece. Got a centerpiece on a table that looks really beautiful at your house? Make prayer the centerpiece of change and to simply ask the Lord, Lord, how do I make this change? What's the next step in change? Just keep asking him and keep listening and he'll direct your path. He'll help you overcome the obstacles of change. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, today in this room... All of us have something that needs to change. All of us have something that needs to look more like you. And so today we come to you, Lord, in Jesus' name, trusting that you are greater. You are greater. And if we'll run to you, then greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. That Lord, you will help us when we start to slip. You will be there with us when we start to doubt, change. You'll be there with us, God. You'll help us overcome it. So, Lord, we, tr- we choose to turn our face towards you, and turn our heart towards you. Lord, we, we exercise faith right now. And so church, I just want to encourage you in this moment of prayer, bring before the Lord the area that needs to change in your life. And to ask the Lord, help me with that change. Help me with it. And as we worship God over these, over these next few minutes, would you just worship God with a passion? Would you seek him with everything inside of you? And would you just pursue God like you've never done before? So Jesus, we invite you to be with us In this service, we invite you to lead and guide our worship, and would you show up in this place in power, glory, and might. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.